with us on this Monday afternoon. So much to dive into today from what was just an incredible weekend of college football. A bunch of ranked teams going down, a bunch of new teams hopping into the top 25. We have some massive matchups coming up this Saturday. We had some streaks that came to an end. Really looking forward to diving into all of it, but uh, locally, the biggest news of the day coming out yesterday. It started breaking late afternoon. Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports was the first to really uh, put it out there, and then you had uh, Adam Rittenberg from ESPN confirm it, and then a little while later, Georgia Southern confirms that they have parted ways with head coach Chad Lunsford following a 1-3 and three start. Uh, statement yesterday from Jared Binko, athletic director there at Georgia Southern. Uh, he says, after a thorough review and evaluation of our football program, I have made a decision that a change in leadership is in the best interest of our team and university. I want to thank Coach Lunsford for his hard work and the impact he has had on student-athletes within our program. I wish Chad and his family success in the future. Cornerbacks coach Kevin Whitley is going to serve as the interim coach for the remainder of the season. And then he goes on to say that Georgia Southern is going to launch a national search for its next head football coach. He has not yet determined whether or not they're going to use a committee to go out there or hire a committee to go out there and look for the next coach, but it will be a national search for a new coach for Georgia Southern. So really, I think a uh, on the precipice of major change for Statesboro uh, in the program there and really curious to see which direction Jared Binko goes. But uh, at 1.30 this afternoon, Jared Binko spoke to the media. We have his opening remarks, uh, his statements on the fire. After meeting with Coach Lunsford, I met with assistant coach Kevin Whitley and asked him to serve as interim head coach for the remainder of the season, and he has agreed to do so. We're very fortunate to have someone on our staff uh, with his head coaching experience and playing experience like he does. Coach Whitley was an All-American here, and he knows what Georgia Southern football is all about. I met with our team, coaching staff, support staff, and team captains yesterday. Our student-athletes are at the forefront of everything we do. And I wanted to reiterate that we're here to support them in any way that we can. I have the utmost confidence in Coach Whitley and our staff to lead our program over the next eight games. We have a lot to play for. And I know our young men will continue to prepare and play as, as hard as they've been playing. Uh, and they'll continue to be uh, ready to go this Saturday against Arkansas State. The search for our new head coach begins immediately. Uh, we want to we be on an upper trajectory as a program. We want to have an identity of being highly disciplined, blue collar, and tough. We're looking for the best possible candidate. We will look at head coaches and assistant coaches. We will work diligently to keep the search process confidential. There'll be a lot of rumors and innuendos about who the next coach is going to be, uh, but it's not practical to respond to every rumor or bit of speculation. I would ask that everyone remain patient with the process. As I talk to candidates, if word gets out, particularly via sources that they interviewed uh, or are leading candidate, I'm going to assume that they're not interested in the job. It is important to manage the process in an effective manner to hire the best football coach and staff possible. I know I can count on Eagle Nation uh, to remain patient through the process and fully support the new head coach and staff once in place. The traditions of Georgia Southern football are unparalleled. Coach Eric Russell, six national championships, the best fans in the country, two members of the College Football Hall of Fame. We have more tradition in the last 39 years than anyone in the country. 
we can be better, and I'm fully confident we will be better. Again, Georgia Southern Athletic Director Jared Binko there, his opening remarks uh, about the firing of Chad Lunsford and the search they are now launching for the next head coach at Georgia Southern. I thought a couple interesting things that he said there. Number one, he said if rumors come out and speculation comes out about someone we've interviewed, going to go ahead and assume they're not interested in the job. I think that means a couple of things. Number one, he wants to keep this quiet until a deal's done. Number two, he doesn't want to be used as a leverage point for someone just looking for a pay raise from their school. We see it all the time, right? We see it where it's just, oh, this coach, he's interested in this job. Could he be making the jump? And then all of a sudden they get a half a million dollar pay bump from the school they're at, and they're not interested in the job. So I think Jared Binko said it. He said we're going to talk to assistants and we're going to talk to head coaches. And we really don't know any names right now who they could be targeting. I, In my humble opinion, I think a guy you can go after, and some people might say that he is probably in line for a bigger job, and that may be true, but I also think this could be a guy, if you convince him, he'd be name brand and it'd be very similar to what you had done in the past. Go after Dan Lanning, Georgia's mm-hmm. defensive coordinator. I mean, if you want to talk about somebody that knows okay. how to recruit in the state of Georgia, someone that has name recognition in the state of Georgia, and someone who's doing their job at a super high level, I think Dan Lanning uh, would be a great get, but also you have to determine what direction you want to take the program. I've kind of put this out on Twitter yesterday uh, to Georgia Southern fans. I asked him, I was like, do you want to see a return to the option, like the true under center Georgia Southern, Irk Russell, Paul Johnson style option, or do you want to see them completely move away from it? And the resounding answer from every fan that commented was, we want to win. Yeah, it doesn't matter. One person said it doesn't matter if we dress like Mickey Mouse as long as we win. Georgia Southern fans want to win. And just take a look at the program and look at where it's located in Statesboro, Georgia. Look at a map, look at Statesboro, and then draw a 100-mile radius outside of Statesboro and then take it around in a circle and look at all of those recruits that come out of there. Look at Mm -hmm. all of those football players that come out of there. You have NFL pipelines coming out a lot of those different schools and cities with inside a 100-mile radius of Statesboro. You're just south of central Georgia, and so you can touch Atlanta. You can touch Augusta. You can go down to Columbus. You can come down to Valdosta. You can go over to Savannah and Brunswick. Right? You can go everywhere because you are the south Georgia school. And I I feel like it's a great job. I mean, what school – Inside of the Sun Belt has a more fertile recruiting grounds. Nah, there isn't one. You, uh, I mean, you have a valid case in that because they're in Georgia. Right. In the heart of Georgia, too. A, a nice area where they bring out a lot of talent. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's a valid point. And, again, Georgia Southern has been producing NFL talent, but I also think you are missing out on some of these guys where you're still running the option even though it's the pistol. And that, to me, has been the biggest question mark with this Georgia Southern team is identity. There's, there's been no identity on offense. It was with Shy Wirtz, it was still running the option, but they tried to throw it a little bit more with the Justin Tomlins of the world, and now Cam Ransom's there. And I'm not taking shots at any of these guys. I just I think there's been a lack of identity with what Georgia Southern wants to be on offense. And they're not the only ones across the country, but a team that comes from such a stark identity, 
you're going under center and you're playing flex bone and you're running the triple option and you have guys like Jerry McKinnon play, yeah, yeah, playing as one of yeah. your wingbacks for you and just taking those quick pitches and you're running gut plays up the middle with great fullbacks and you have quarterbacks that know how to run that offense like Houdini, I, I just think you have to make a decision. Do you want to go back to what made you successful? Because I think there is a big portion of the Georgia Southern fan base that has a soft spot for that offense. I mean, when Paul Johnson was at Georgia Southern, they were winning football games. And that's all that matters, man. Yeah. Uh, winning football games is all that matters. I think. But, I do, you, but do you need that offense? Because no, the, no. the point of that offense, like I think why it was so successful for Paul Johnson and Georgia Tech is you can win with lesser recruits yeah. with that offense. I don't think Georgia Southern has to win with lesser recruits against other Sunbelt teams. I mean, the cream of the crop, in the Sun Belt right now is in Myrtle Beach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Coastal Carolina is the cream of the crop in the Sun Belt. They're number 16 in the nation right now. And you're telling me they have a more r- fertile recruiting ground than Statesboro where they're located? I would love to see Georgia Southern in the spread. I just I like the spread offense. I think it just balances out everything. You can run the ball out of the shotgun. I mean, you – Sometimes you can go on the center, but I think it's just more versatile for all teams in college football. I, I like seeing it personally. You see the Big 12 use it a ton. That's why they put up a ton of points, and there's not a lot of defense played. But. I was going to say, I don't know how many points you're putting up. Oklahoma put up 16 <laughs> yeah. against West Virginia. It's kind of a little dip off this year, but, you know, in the past. I, and I wouldn't even say yeah. spread. I just think just some sort of identity because you really mm-hmm. haven't had an identity the last few years at Georgia Southern. I do want to say this about Chad Lunsford. The dude took over as an interim and then for three consecutive years had built this team and they were going to bowl games and they won two bowl games. And yeah. I think COVID hurt a lot last year. You also had some big-time players, and this is going to happen at every program, but you had some big-time players. Uh, they got in trouble with the law and then you're missing out on them these past couple of seasons. So just I find it interesting – that we really don't know which direction they're going to go. I mean, I'm not comparing the situations, but when Georgia fired Mark Richt, pretty much everybody knew Kirby Smart's the number one name on this board right now because he had basically been waiting for that job, yep. right? So you knew which direction they were going to go. We really don't know which direction Jared Binko wants to take this program. And if you look back at where he's been before he became the athletic director at Georgia Southern, uh, he was at Georgia. He was at Mississippi State, so he's been at some big-time programs when they've been making some head coaching decisions, so it would be curious to see which direction they want to move. Uh, Another thing that I think is playing a lot into this, or at least in the storyline to this, I don't know how much it played into Jared Binko's decision, is uh, prior to the game against Louisiana on Saturday, George Southern has a tradition of the yellow school buses rolling up, carrying the team, Mm -hmm. uh, and they kind of go down the tailgating row before you get to Paulson Stadium. I don't know if you've seen this video yet or not, Cam, but as they pulled up to the stadium, you had a player standing on top of the buses in his jersey. He gets thrown a beer from the crowd and shotguns a beer on top of the buses. And so, again, prior to a Sunbelt game against a team that shared the conference championship last year That's ridiculous. and a team that had beaten you the past few times in a row – you have one of your starters shotgunning a beer on top of your on top of a school bus that's moving. What do you say to your Well my my point <laughs> what do you is say to him, my point is if that had happened at Georgia or at Alabama, 
that would be like leading storyline on oh, Sports yeah. Center. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Right, but because it's just like an Instagram video, which it's clear as day, and the player uh, has been suspended. Yeah, and is, I guess just placed on athletic leave, basically, while they determine what they're going to do with him, punishment wise. That I think probably had a lot to do with it. I mean, you have a player standing on top of a moving bus, shotgunning a beer. That's tough to come back from, especially after a one and three start. So, yeah, and the way they've been losing, yeah. I mean, but as a coach, what what do you say to your player? Like, I I, I don't know what I could possibly say to a player. I don't as know a coach. that my player's there anymore. Yeah, that that's 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 what I'm trying to get at, but wasn't yeah. trying to say it. Like, I don't know if you're a part of this program anymore. You're going into a game where this team is basically kind of owned you. Last year, you had a tough matchup. T- yep. uh, lost 20 to, eight, what, 20 to 18? Something like that, And yep. then now you lose 28-20. This is a Sun Belt, first Sun Belt game of the year, and that's what you're doing? I don't know if you're all locked in. I don't know if you're bought into the program, so you might have to go, man. Yeah, it's been a bunch of situations like that. I mean, some players facing drugs and weapons charges uh, and that you're missing some co- significant contributors. But again... 28 and 21 during his tenure at Georgia Southern. Three consecutive bowl games, won two of them. I think Chad Lunsford had a lot of success at Georgia Southern. And I think whoever inherits this is inheriting a program that has a lot of potential. I mean, there's there's no reason based off where they are in the country that Georgia Southern shouldn't be competing for Sunbelt championships every single year, especially with the transfer portal and the one free transfer now where you can go get some guys from some of these Power 5, quote-unquote, programs, Georgia Southern should be right there every single year. Again, Chad Lunsford, uh, Georgia Southern has parted ways with him, now looking for a new coach. It's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out for the Eagles because, again, like you said, Cam, that was just the first conference game for them, and they still have a talented team. So I don't think Georgia Southern done by a long shot. I think think a bowl game is still extremely realistic. You need to rip off five wins, but I think a bowl game is realistic for Georgia Southern. So uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. A lot of times you do see teams rally. I hope so, but it's looking. (laughs) When stuff like this happens, it's pretty tough. BYU, Coastal Carolina, App State. Yeah, no, it's going to be tough. This is, yeah. They've said it. This is one of the tougher schedules Georgia Southern has ever faced, mm-hmm. uh, and you just fired your head coach after four games. So we'll see what happens. This is the time of the year uh, where heads start to roll. I wonder how much of that has to do with the early signing period because we really – the early signing period has been around for a while now, but we haven't really seen this adjustment. It's still pretty 50-50 as to whether you fire your coach during the season – and then hope you can get your next head coach hired before the early signing period, or you wait until after the regular season ends and then fire him and then try to get the guy in there. Because, again, in December you have one of the biggest the biggest signing period in terms of ratings for recruits. It's when all the five stars and the four stars, for the, mo- for the most part, sign. But, I mean, the biggest numbers-wise is still in February when you have yeah. national signing day. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how quickly Georgia Southern tries to get this done. we got more to come, though. We'll recap the weekend that was in college football. You have Clemson going down to NC State. You have Georgia just absolutely eviscerating Vanderbilt. And we have some big games that are being set up for this Saturday. We'll dive into all of that next right here on Second Down. It was presented to you by the Uniform Source. I think very apropos that as Cam plays Drake as the rejoiner, we're joined by our good friend, Lindsey Goff from WTOC, you know, Drake, maybe the biggest Kentucky fan 
Kentucky Toronto Raptors fan that <laughs> yeah. there is, and I don't know a bigger Kentucky fan than Lindsay. I mean, Lindsay Cam, just very serendipitous, playing the Drake for your intro. Do what now? I can't hear you. I'm sorry. I'm walking around the stadium. Well, well, I just I did a whole intro. I was gonna say Cam Cam played Drake as the rejoiner, and I mean, you and Drake are the two biggest Kentucky fans I know. Oh yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, we're homies, obviously. Obviously, uh, you mentioned it though. Walking out of the press conference up there in Statesboro. And I thought, uh, listening along, I thought you really asked the questions a lot of people want answers to uh, about the firing of Chad Lunsford. You asked if it was for cause. Uh, and just looking back at the entire situation, when, when you see the video of a player come out standing on top of a bus that's moving, shotgunning a beer, you start to a one and three start. I mean, how shocked were you yesterday when this news started coming out? Um... The news of the video or the news of Lunsford? Uh, of him getting let go. I, I was somewhat surprised. I thought he would get a couple of more games to kind of set things straight because really they were picked to lose two of these games anyway, um, especially at Arkansas. But then you start to see, yeah, things like the video where it looks like he may not have control fully of the program and things like that. And I think it was a lot of factors playing into it. Um, you know, it doesn't help that there's a lot of Sunbelt teams playing really good football right now. And not only has Georgia Southern not improved, they've kind of gotten worse. So when you factor that in, the fact that their opponents, uh, people, you know, they're going to play all season, playing really well, Georgia State, App, Coastal, uh, it's not a good look. What was Jared Binko's thoughts uh, or any about which direction they want to go when they're looking for a head coach? Um, he didn't say, you know, that they were going to stick to someone who coaches the triple option. Kind of all options are on the table, it seems like. Um, sorry, I'm out of breath. I'm, like, hiking up the stairs. Oh, you're um, good. It's going to be a national search. And uh, he didn't say whether they were going to hire a search firm or not. I think they're working that out right now, but I would lean towards likely. Um, but I think all options are on the table. He said they're going to look at assistants and uh, head coaches both. How big of an influence do you think the fan base plays into the decision? I'd say it plays some factor because ultimately those are the people that buy the tickets and support the program and in a roundabout way pay the salaries, but I don't think it was the only factor. Do you think Georgia Southern is fiscally in a place where they can go out and compete with another school for the services of a coach? I think so, yeah, I think so. You know, they have an attractive fan base. There's history, and I think that – Benko being a young and ambitious athletic director, that's appealing to people. And I know he has, speaking of Jared Benko, he has uh, deep connections with a couple of SEC programs, being at Mississippi State and being at Georgia. But, I mean, from, from your perspective, and we were talking about this in the last segment, I don't know that there is a more fertile recruiting ground for any Sunbelt school than what you have in Statesboro just if you go in a 100-mile radius. I mean, this has to be a really appealing job for whether it's a coordinator looking to get his first head coaching opportunity or whether it's hiring somebody uh, that's already a head coach and this is a step up. This has to be a really appealing job. Yeah, I would say so. And, um, you know, Whitley said today that um, he didn't want to say whether he wanted his name in the hat for the permanent position, but, you know, he said when you get into coaching, being a head coach is always the dream. He's actually already contacted all of their recruits spoke to them so that there's no recruiting drop-off. But, yeah, this is definitely a place where a young and up-and-coming coach 
could really make a name for themselves, especially since the Sun Belt's becoming a little more prominent. Um, you know, they have teams in the top 25. People are paying a little more attention to them. And with all these conference realignments, I think a lot of things could happen. So it's definitely an attractive position. Yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, just looking at the recruiting and making this decision to fire a coach this early in the season, how quickly do you think Georgia Southern tries to move on a coach? I mean, are we looking at waiting until the end of the regular season before they hire somebody or they try to bring somebody in earlier? Because I know with a lot of programs, the early signing period is when they get most of their recruits in. For Georgia Southern, is that not the case or is it more of them getting their recruits in in February? I think for Southern, it's usually kind of a mix. Um, but they did say, you know, that they're they're talking to the recruits so that the guys that were supposed to sign early still will. Um, and, you know, that you're signing to the school and the tradition. And even if it's a different head coach, um, you're still in good hands was kind of what Whitley stressed. But Benko said it will probably be at the end of the regular season because the guys that are targeting right now are obviously coaching other teams. Um, but he did say that he's already got some interest Express, but I don't know that we could expect a hire during the regular season. What's the mood that you've been able to garner from the players themselves? I know Chad Lunsford, well-respected and admired. We've all seen the videos of him uh, doing the, the people's elbow on the folding chairs and just the community support that he got from Georgia Southern. But then the flip side of it, kind of what we talked about at the beginning of this, is look maybe like we were losing some control a little bit of the program. What's the general feel from the players? You know, we haven't gotten to speak to the players, but just based on what I've seen on Twitter, most of them are thankful towards Lunsford and the man that he is, that he, you know, is a good person and really worked to instill, you know, good values in these players, regardless of what happened on the field, record-wise, whatever. Um, you could tell a lot of them genuinely cared for Chad Lunsford and wished him the best. And Ben Coe said, you know, they're obviously emotional, but they do like and trust Whitley. Um, he has a relationship with these guys. So I think, I don't want to say that they were excited he's taken over. I think that they found comfort in that, that it's someone that they know well, who's also been a player in this program. And I, th I think that they're definitely sad to see Lunsford go. That's the guy that recruited them and brought them in and has coached them this whole time. But, um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of respect for Lunsford here. Potentially big changes coming up at Georgia Southern. Lindsey Goff, WTOC. She is the sports director. Lindsay, before we let you go, your Cats get a 16-10 win over South Carolina there at Williams-Brice. I don't know if 16 points is going to be enough to get it done if you guys want to go to Atlanta. It's absolutely not. Um, you know, we've still got Florida and Georgia looming in the distance and very, very worried about that because what they did on Saturday, it's a win, but it's not going to cut it in Athens. Yeah, I'm worried because – you guys were my preseason pick to finish second in the SEC East, and now Florida's looking pretty dang good. I know. Florida, I mean, this is far for the course, but luckily we do have Florida at home, so I think, I think we have Florida at home, um, which, you know, we'll see how it goes. I never fully trust Kentucky because they always let me down. So, like, while I'm hopeful, I don't trust them. Yeah, it's not basketball season quite yet. Lindsey Goss, sports director at WTOC. Lindsey, we really appreciate the time. Thanks, guys. Again. Cam, just big news coming out of Statesboro, and we'll keep you all updated as it goes. But interesting uh, to dismiss a coach this early in the season. I mean, with Georgia Southern, like she said, it's a mix with that early signing period versus February. And you have to imagine 
a new coach comes in and you're completely flipping this offense to something new, yeah. you could be looking at that coach saying, yeah, these aren't the recruits I want. See, that that's the difference between college and um, pros. I don't really like coaching changes in college necessarily because now you got to change your scheme. You have to recruit. In order for your program to be good, you have to recruit. NFL, you, these guys are pros. You draft every year. You draft seven to eight players a year. You're good to go. College, you're recruiting a, a fresh 25 sometimes. And now that's it's going to be kind of weird uh, going through the season, whether it's an interim coach or they hire a coach in the middle of the season or even the end. Now you got to get your own recruits, new offense, new scheme, new tradition, program, all of that. So it's going to be kind of weird. But uh, Georgia Southern, they'll get it together. Yeah, I, I'm confident in Jared Binko. Like I said, the relationships he has from his past stops uh, and just speaking with him over the past couple of years, I think he's the dude for the job. I think he's going to do a really good job. So interested to see which direction they go, but you do still have football games coming up. They're having to stay prepared and a full Sunbelt slate coming their way. So like I said, I don't think a bowl game is out of question for the Georgia Southern Eagles. It would be a really good look for this coaching staff that's currently there if they're able to pull something like that off. We'll just have to wait and see. we got more to come, though. We'll dive into the college football weekend next right here on Second Down. It's a huge weekend of college football Major upsets all over the place. Clemson goes down to NC State. You had Arkansas taking down Texas A&M. Little old Georgia Tech absolutely housing Ridiculous. North Carolina. <laughs> housing North Carolina so bad that you had Mac Brown, former national champion coach of the year Mac Brown, saying that Jeff Sims reminded him of Vince Young. Ah, uh, he, okay. Hey, he's going too far with that. Massacre. Yeah, he's going too far with that. Georgia Tech, get after him. Almost beat Clemson last week. Just smoked North Carolina. The ACC's upside down. College football is upside down, man. I don't know. Point. I don't know how upside down college football is. I think this now ACC is. Dang, it's the crazy. ACC. I said it before the year. I think the ACC might be the worst. There's no might. It is Power Five conference. I don't know. The Pac-12 is right there with them. Yeah, but Pac-12 has the number three team in the country. That's, so, I mean, that's fair, but I like when you just that. look top to bottom. Yeah, top to bottom. It ain't, yeah. it ain't real good. ACC probably right now, if you're doing power rankings, number five in the power five yeah. rankings. It's rough. I mean, you look at Clemson. I want to make sure I get this number right. <laughs> Clemson, yeah, for the first time in 97 weeks Ooh. is out of the top ten. They're number 25 and barely hanging on down there. I think they got Boston College this that week. That might be a L. Who is a team that just beat Missouri. And that was a heck of a ball game because they had Missouri beat, and then Missouri came down the field in about 20 seconds and kicked a 56-yard field goal to send the game to overtime. But then they got the interception and ended up winning that football game. So Boston College is a good team. There's a distinct possibility that Clemson's not ranked next week. It's a possibility they might not even play in their own conference championship this year. I mean, that's Wake, crazy. Wake Forest is getting after it. Yeah. The fighting Dave Doran's taking down Clemson. They're getting after it. Man, I mean, it's a, it's a weird year. And now as a Georgia fan, I'm like, you know, I mean, I'm, yep, it was a big win. 10-3 against Clemson. But now you're like, was that it? Clemson team wasn't even, isn't even that good of a team now. Now 
you're going to see what you're made of against an Arkansas team who's battle-tested. Yeah, NC They're State almost scored three times as many points against yeah. Clemson, and NC State got boat raced by Mississippi, Mississippi State. Mississippi State, yeah. How many points did they put up against Mississippi State? Like three? Ten. ten? Yeah, yeah, 24-10. Bad. Yeah, so, I mean, we're getting off topic here a little bit with oh, Georgia, God. but, you know. Uh, it's gonna this week is gonna it's gonna show me a lot about Georgia because that Arkansas team say what you want uh, that's a nice well coached team they beat Texas they handled business against Texas A and M like I thought they would and now you're gonna see a t- who would have thought last year Arkansas gave us some fits and who would have thought the uh, a year later it's a top ten matchup in Athens well, two I, against I will, eight I will say this I think that game was seven to five at halftime yeah. Of Georgia Arkansas to start last season, that Stetson Bennett comes in and you ended yeah. that game winning thirty-seven to ten. Yeah, but it was an ugly thirty-seven to ten. I mean, second half you just dominated. You yeah, put you Stetson did. Stetson in the offense started clicking and you just you absolutely dominated that football game. But Arkansas is a different team, and I, I think we lose sight of the fact that Barry Odom, former Missouri head coach and Missouri defensive coordinator, is the defensive coordinator for Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And the defense that they run, I think, is going to give Georgia some problems. If you if you watch Arkansas play defense, they run what we lovingly refer to as an umbrella defense, where you always have four guys over the top. You have two safeties and two corners that are playing over the top. You're playing zone, keeping everything in front of you, and just reacting. You're kind of like that amoeba, where you can just sort of flow and react versus trying to play man coverage and getting burned and giving up big shots. They're like, hey, if you can go down the field five yards at a time on us, that's fine. But, I mean – Catalan and Bumper Pool, those dudes will come up and smack you around a little bit. Arkansas has got some players on defense. Does Sam Pittman not deserve a raise already? Can we just get that out the way? Does he not deserve a raise already? I mean, this dude is – I mean, he's coaching this tail off. I mean, you beat Texas by 19. Uh, You you beat up on Texas A&M Oh, yeah, the state of Texas doesn't exist anymore. It's just West Arkansas. Yeah, basically, and – now you go into Athens. I think. I mean, I'm a Georgia fan, but I think this is actually going to be a close game. Georgia, I think, is like a 19 point favorite. I, I wouldn't take this that. What else I was going to say is the defense that they play. I think is going to give Georgia some issues because they run that umbrella coverage, and Georgia, for the most part, has been living on big plays. Yes, you haven't seen yeah. the long, consistent drives. Now, Georgia's offense against Vanderbilt was nuts. 35 points in the first <laughs> quarter. Your starting quarterback was done in a quarter. Yeah, And he was 9 of 10, two touchdowns, and mm-hmm. the only incompletion he had was a drop, like a wide-open drop. So mm-hmm. JT Daniels is playing well right now, but I feel like with the defense that Arkansas plays, if you can't run the football effectively, which Georgia was able to run the ball against Vanderbilt. But it's Vanderbilt, yeah. But, yeah, but if you can't run the ball effectively against Arkansas, you might be in trouble because that you, you don't have a George Pickens right now. Jermaine Burton is just in witness protection right now. Uh, A.D. Mitchell. I like him. He's he's solid, but he's still raw. He's, mm-hmm. a, he's a freshman. The route running is not great. Mm-hmm. Karis Jackson, he's still recovering from a knee injury, and he looks pretty slow uh, against Vanderbilt. Dominic Blaylock is supposed to be back, but how fast is he going to be able to move? Uh, Arian Smith is still dealing with that shin contusion, your fastest receiver, the, the guy who can kind of take the top off. So, like, I, I you have Darnell Washington coming back. But, again, that doesn't really take the top off of the defense. You, you don't have that. I mean, Jermaine Burton needs to be that guy, the one that can really take you deep. But right now, I mean, Fred Gibson said it last week when we had him on the show, you don't know who Georgia's number one wide receiver is right now. I mean, Ladd McConkey and yeah. Brock Bowers 
I like the Brock. Dudes. Well, yeah. Brock, Brock Bowers is phenomenal. I think you're going to mm-hmm. see a lot of two tight end sets mm-hmm. with Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers, and maybe some three tight end sets where you go two on the line uh, with Fitzpatrick and Darnell Washington, and you split Brock Bowers out because Brock Bowers has been your best pass catcher. Look, I'm a little nervous. It's going to be a lot of. It's going to be some old school football play from UGA. Yeah. Um, because I mean, you, you don't have a lot of your guys there. I mean, we thought Gilbert would be here. We thought that was going to be the number one pass catcher after Pickens went down. He's probably not going to be here the whole season, maybe. But I mean, I'm, I'm nervous because your your quarterback, your starting quarterback, JT Daniels, outside of Clemson, hasn't played a full complete game. He doesn't really have a lot of reps. I know yeah. he played four games last year, but kind of inferior opponents outside of Cincinnati. But he doesn't have a lot of reps, and now you're playing. And this Arkansas team, they're good. I don't think they're a 19-point underdog. I just don't I don't see them as that. No, I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility to say Arkansas is the biggest regular season game he's played in because yeah. thus far this season, Arkansas has looked much better than Clemson. And there's a reason oh, they're yeah. number eight and Clemson's number 25. And you're at home. It's an SEC game. It's a conference game that really matters because Florida looks really good. And it's a noon kick. I do think the fact that game day is in town – and Arkansas won last week, that makes me feel a little bit better because yeah. the sense of urgency is going to be there. You're not going to catch Georgia napping in this one. Yeah, it, it, it is, and th- they have to be locked in. It's a difference from – that's what's been the difference from Georgia-Alabama. Alabama could complete the season, go undefeated. Georgia always lays an egg at some point in the season. I don't think you could do that this year. Granted, you could be a one-loss team again in the playoffs, but these next couple of weeks are crucial. You have Arkansas at home, and then, like you said, JT Daniels – he hasn't played a true road game yet. He hasn't had that true test. You go on to Jordan Hare next week. And regardless of how good Auburn is, it's still playing in Jordan Hare. That's a yeah. that's a hostile environment. Well, that's that's so. another fast fascinating storyline. We got all week to talk about this Arkansas Georgia mm-hmm. game. Uh you see what happened to your boy Bo Nix? Yeah. Riding man. that pine. Man, that hurt. That hurt. <laughs> it hurt. I mean, yeah. I, I'm as shocked as anybody because I thought Bo Nix with Mike Bobo and Brian Harson would at least take a little bit of a step forward. But now he's getting benched for T.J. Finley. He's and, regressed. Yeah, and T.J. Finley comes in that and leads. Huge. Yeah, yeah, he's a big dude. But leads the charge. Uh, and that fourth down throw he had against Georgia mm-hmm. State was nuts. Yeah. Where he had to kind of circle around and scramble and just flip his eyes back and found a guy in the end zone for a touchdown. And that final score is a little bit misleading because Georgia Southern had Auburn Fourth and goal mm-hmm. inside a minute left, and Auburn had to score a touchdown to avoid losing that football game. They yeah, score the touchdown, six. and then like the very next play for Georgia State, they throw a pick six mm-hmm. to smoke Monday. So that score ends up looking better for Auburn. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Georgia State was a tip ball, a defensive stop away from winning that football game, and they have not been great this year. They got smoked by Army. So mm-hmm. I'm really curious how good Auburn is, but like I just start doing like the transitive factor to think like how good are these teams? I look at uh, what happened to Clemson. They lose to NC State. NC State got trounced by Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. So right? weird year, man. Auburn almost lost to Georgia State. They took Penn State to the wire at Penn State. Yeah. And Penn State didn't look overwhelmingly convincing against Villanova. I mean, they won the football game, but they only put up 30 or so points, mm-hmm. and they gave up 17, I believe. So Penn State hasn't looked overly convincing. Oklahoma is the third-ranked team in the country by about ten points. <laughs> yeah, they've been pitiful. I don't see how they're number three but in th- the country. Think about how who they've had to survive in one-score games. Tulane. They lost. They almost lost to Tulane. They almost lost to Nebraska. They almost lost 
to West Virginia. West Virginia should have won that football game. Yeah, they've been terrible. I don't know. And you yeah. heard they were chanting like – I was going to say, yeah. if, you had, if you had to pick – if you had to rank all 130 starting quarterbacks on the scale of the fans will be chaining for their backup quarterback four weeks into the season, Spencer Rattler would have been 130 on that yeah. list. He would have been last. Yeah. We, we're talking about this dude, me personally. I say he was going to win the Heisman this year. He's not Let me ask you that. Yet. I was going to ask you that. Right now, who's your Heisman favorite? Bryce Young. I mean, no, look around the country he and tell me who's one. your Heisman. I think he has to be. I think it's probably Matt Corral. Yeah, it's it's them too. Okay, I'll give you that. They duel it out in Tuscaloosa. What was it this weekend? Okay, yeah, it, it's it'll be between them two. Whoever wins that game, but it's definitely them two. I, I think I think Matt JT Corral. Daniels has quietly snuck back into the race because he's been playing really well. He, like yeah. you said, he hasn't had to play most of the games, but he's been playing really well. His team's undefeated and number two in the country. Also, I think Emory Jones certainly needs to quietly. be in that conversation. He's putting up Tim Tebow numbers. It's so weird, man. He took Alabama to the brink. If his if his kicker can hit an extra point, they take Alabama to overtime. So I think Emory Jones certainly deserves to be up there because he's putting up crazy stats through the air and on the ground. So uh, I, it's fascinating that Heisman race is we won't know the, who you, wins. Who it. like yeah. who's your favorite right we don't now? Know. I, th- I think it's Matt Corral, but there's a distinct chance Matt Corral throws five interceptions this weekend as he's apt to do. He could. <laughs> and, and Bryce Young's all of a sudden front and center back in that Heisman race. So it's fascinating. Uh, college football is weird right now, but what I love about it is there is peril this season. Yes, Teams are very close. That transitive factor, when you look at some of the teams that have beaten some teams, that have lost to some other teams, it's wild. No complaints this year. There's no Clemson in the college football playoffs. There's no complaints. Oh, yeah, they're done. Yeah, they're done. Oh, they're yeah, done. they're done. They're yeah, done. They're done. And even Ohio if, State's a go, loss away. Even, even if they went out and they, and they win the ACC yeah, championship, yeah, have fun in the Orange Bowl because uh, you out. I mean, yeah. or is the, is the Orange Bowl one of the uh, – The Orange Bowl is there. Is it yeah. one of the semifinals mm-hmm. this year? Oh, good question. So maybe they won't have fun in the Orange Bowl. Who knows? Mm-hmm. We'll find out. We got more to come, though. We'll come back. Final segment of Second Down next. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Got a couple minutes here before three and out. The guys will catch up with Brooks Austin from Dogs Daily on SI.com. Cam, what Georgia did to Vanderbilt on Saturday – yeah. That was rude. Yeah, it was. Yeah, there was um, no reason for doing that. Very mean. Very, <laughs> very, very 35 mean. to nothing in the first quarter. That's like you playing Madden on rookie in arcade mode, and you're just throwing the ball up and touchdown, touchdown. Midway through yeah. the fourth quarter, Georgia had as many points as Vanderbilt had oh. yards. I don't, I don't know what you – like, when you're a coach or a player and you go back in the locker room, what, what do you take from that? You know, what, what do wait, you wait, think? Which team? Like the team that's getting just – No, Vanderbilt. I yeah. mean, if you're George, you're smoked. like, hey, y'all, yeah. we just smoked them 62-0 on the road. But you're at home getting smoked. Like, how do you go to class and, you know, you talk to the girls and <laughs> yeah, stuff Yeah, that's like, like that, that might be one of those ones where it's like, you play football? No, no, no. Nah, nah, That nah, ain't me. That nah, ain't me. that ain't me. That was – uh, that's just my friend. We do have, right like, maybe the worst game of the year coming up on Saturday. We have UConn at Vanderbilt. Oh, Lord. Like, if you remember, UConn <laughs> got beat by an FCS team a little bit earlier in the year, and their coach – was that UConn or UMass? Either way, UConn's bad. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're bad. Vanderbilt's bad, too. So, But hopefully hopefully Vanderbilt, they can get their first win, hopefully. I mean, maybe. It's a big maybe coming up on that one. I mean, Cam, Vanderbilt's awful. Yeah, they're awful. God awful. Yeah, it's Let's UConn. like that. Yeah, they play UConn. Rand, no, Rand, yeah, Randy Etzel 
re- resigned during the middle of the year. He's like, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll quit at the end of the season. And they're like, no, no, you're going to go and quit now. It's bad. Three and outs coming up next. That's not bad. The guys will recap what was a wild week in college football.